Hello, fans and viewers. Welcome to another exciting episode of PlayStation Universe's. I'll turn it off. I screwed it up. I was going to say Unchained, but I'm like, this is not Unchained. Welcome, fans and viewers, to another exciting PlayStation Universe podcast. This is another Unchained special. This is our reviews special, where this episode, all we're going to talk about is reviews, 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 right? How we do them, uh, who's picked for them, all the behind-the-scenes information that you want to know that maybe the general public doesn't get to hear from all of the major sites. Uh, with me, as always, is our awesome... PSU staff, starting with the commissioner, Glenn Gordon. How are you today, sir, for this episode? I'm chuckling because I noticed you very specifically said viewers. Um, yes. Also, it's been so long since I was last on the podcast with you, like 20 minutes. I mean, it's been forever. Yeah, I know. We should say that this is being recorded after uh, this week's episode of RDGH. So I know it's been 20 minutes, man. How, how crazy times i i don't i i barely recognize you it's been too long it's been too long man back yeah. to the future <laughs> back to the future Absolutely. and with us for another exciting special is buckeye brian king how are you doing brian buckeye. <laughs> i'm doing pretty good man great to be back on the podcast that's Wait, right and- where, where does the name come from he's from ohio He's from Ohio. Okay. There you go. Easy, simple, cool. That's right. Sure. Sure. Right? He's the Buckeye. (laughs) And uh, and as fans know, your first podcast episode with us was all the way back last month for our TGS special, and you're back on for another special. But what some people might not know is you used to be the reviews editor at nintendofeed.com. That's nintendofeed.com. And, uh, but now you're with us reviewing PlayStation games. What a big difference, eh? Uh, it's a huge difference, actually. There's a lot more games that I'm able to review. That's a lot more PlayStation games. Well, you know, that, the party games. Well, what made you... Um, is there any specific interest that you have in, in PS4 games over Nintendo's games, or...? Uh, you, as as far as like uh the exclusive games or, well, I mean, I, mean, I, I admittedly like I'm I'm a huge Nintendo fan. I I was um I was an NES kid when the NES came out. Um, I've owned every Nintendo console and handheld since. Uh, I absolutely love what those guys do. But what I what I really like that Sony brings to the table is Sony is very accepting of a lot of third-party support in addition to their own great first-party support. So uh, growing up, being a Nintendo kid, I kind of started having to go away from Nintendo to get um, the experiences I was looking for. Uh, it started uh, the, the N64 era when uh, Final Fantasy VII came out, and that was on PlayStation, and I'm kind of looking at my N64 like, I really don't have anything on this right now and um sony just kind of kept picking up the slack since that point and um yeah the rest is history all right well welcome to psu again it's awesome to be <laughs> again <laughs> all right <laughs> so we have a nice um 
trilogy of staff here for this episode. Sadly, uh, our senior editor, Ernest, don't call me a girl. Lynn was unable to join us specifically because he was the one who did the Destiny review on the site and he took a lot of heat about that. So it would have been nice to get uh, his comments about that game in particular. But hey, we got me who had a, a very how would you say, controversial God of War review. And of course, Glenn, you did the uh, infamous Second Son, which got, I think, the most comments on the history of the site you for might, any article. You might even say that it was infamous. Oh. Oh. And 50 viewers just stopped listening because of that. <laughs> I went there. Yes, I went there. No, nope. You went there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, to start us off, we should just do a little bit of background about reviews in the industry, which I think a lot of people, the layman fans, probably don't know, is we don't get paid for doing reviews. The majority of reviewers do not get paid a cent. They do not get paid a dime, a pence, a yen, anything for them. The most they get is the fact the game is free. Um, some people do get paid. There are those who have some good contacts at major sites and those who actually have staff positions at say an IGN uh, might get paid if they're like an editor-in-chief or a senior editor but the average reviewer is not getting paid for these uh, so this is out of love uh, which I'm, I think I'm actually really glad you say that because so many people if you give uh, certain kinds of games good reviews or bad reviews the immediate accusations oh you were paid to do this Yes. Uh, I wish Sony paid me for, uh, for uh, doing reviews. That would be awesome. But alas, Sony does not pay me a dime, especially <laughs> after I gave God of War on the Vita like a 6.5 or something. They probably shunned me for life. But with that said, it's important to bring that up because I feel that because we're not getting paid, we have a more authentic view of a game because it's our free time that we're investing into it. And so um, if not for the fact we have to do the review, some games people would just, you know, quit in five minutes or keep going for uh, 10 hours or uh, what have you. So I feel there is that authentic, uh, that authenticity for doing a review. But again, that said, um, what I'm going to say, I'm going to start this off, is I'm going to explain a bit of the review process that we do on at PlayStation Universe for how we pick reviewers, which I think is where a lot of the controversy comes from. Uh, you talk about the fanboys, you talk about the haters, you talk about people being bots. Like those are the the usual three suspects of comments that we get on reviews. So what we do here at PSU, and again, this is only for PSU. I cannot talk about IGN. I cannot talk about ScrewAttack. I cannot talk about any other gaming site out there, NintendoFeed.com. I think you can elaborate a bit later for us, uh, Brian, how it worked on the site you were at because you were a reviews editor there. But how we do it here is the game comes out, and we tend, tend to do a call-first system. right? If someone has an interest in the game, we have a thread. They call it. I put their name down for it. Uh, is typically what happens. As long as there's a release date for it, it's kind of free game. 
Uh, so people play the games that they are interested in. And the reason we do that is I don't think, in my philosophical opinion, it's good to have a person who does not like a genre or a particular game review it 99 times out of 100. Of course, someone's going to bring up God of War, the article, the review I did there, and, and throw that in my face. But like I said, 99% of the time. Uh, and the reason... I apologize. I think it's really yeah. good that we do that um, mm -hmm. because, quite frankly, if you're interested in the series, that means you probably have some general knowledge about it, Yes, um, which makes you a, a good candidate to be a reviewer because you have some knowledge on, on how the series and the franchise and perhaps the developer work. Yes, exactly. Right. And if you're a fan, you can get into that nitty gritty details that fans are going to want to know about that series or look at it from uh, a different perspective to try to convince other non-fans. Like, why should I play this game? Like, why should I play Warriors Orochi 3? Uh, I've hated Dynasty Warriors before. What is it about this that's different, that's new, that's fresh, that will make me want to play that game? Uh, and also, like, people are going to say and rightfully so, there might be some bloating in the score. Like if you really love, say, first-person shooters, you really love Halo, you review Halo 4, you might bloat up the score a point or two because you enjoy the series. But with that said, I would rather have a bit of a bloat of one or two points rather than have a hater play the game who hates, say, for example, JRPGs because there are a lot of gamers that hate JRPGs play a JRPG, go in with the mindset of I really hate these games and then your mind is closed off. And so naturally there's more likely you're going to get a lower score. They're not going to be looking for things like fan surface, uh, service that um, fans might like enjoy, uh, that might enjoy uh, that said. So, um, so that's how we pick it. That's usually how we pick the people. But things happen, right? Uh, we're a diverse crowd. We're a diverse site. We have people working for us who are located in North America, who are in Europe. In my case, I'm over in Asia. And so what will happen is the developers will either give us a physical copy of the game or a code. And in the case of a physical copy, well, that gets mailed to someone. And so if I'm, say, down for um, uh, WWE 2K, 15, which is what I am down for to review that. Uh, if we're only given a physical copy, well, 2K is not going to mail that to Japan. So that means someone else is going to have to review the game. So sometimes things like that happen. And the other thing that we try to do on the site is we try to keep uh, the series intact. So what I mean by that is if, for example, Final Fantasy 13 series, uh, I believe Tim was he did the reviews, our very own senior editor, Tim Noons, he did the reviews for Final Fantasy XIII 2 and Lightning Returns. Uh, because it is a series, it's always good to have the same person try and review that series so they can talk about what's changed, what's similar, what's different, the pros and cons, and have that more in-depth knowledge. And we try to keep that going as best as possible. Again, things could happen. We tried to do uh, Dynasty Warriors 8. I did the Dynasty Warriors 8 review. I gave that a 9. I was down to do Extreme Legends, but uh, Tecmo Koei only gave us a PS4 code. I do not have a PS4, so I was unable to play it. So that's why uh, Tim was handed off on that. And so 
little things like that happen. So that is for you, uh, the layman viewer, to know this is how it works at PSU. This is what we do. Um, we try to have people who enjoy the series or the company play the product to have an open-minded experience and also try to keep that same person code willing and if they're still on the site, uh, continue on with that series. All right. Um, Brian. Before we go on, may I verify something real quick? Um, Yes. When Dane says we try to have someone who enjoys the series uh, do the review, that doesn't mean that that person's going to be like, oh, my goodness, it's an infamous game. I'm going to give it a 11 no matter what. Yes. Um, That just means we're looking for someone who um, is knowledgeable about it, who does enjoy it, yes, because we all want to do something we want to enjoy. But we also would love for that person to be able to say, okay, this is what works and this is what doesn't. This is what could have made it even more enjoyable. So we, we want someone who, yes, enjoys the series but is also a fair reviewer. Yes, because I know if you hate the series and you're playing through a game, like you have to invest 5, 10, 20 hours into a game that you're doing for free, it wears on you, even oh, yes, on the best does. of times, with, I even that. with a game you enjoy. That's how right? I was with, um, oh, I don't even remember the name of it, that one with the zero and the, the people. Um, I, I, it was, I hated it so much that I don't even remember the name of Jack anyone. Jack Dragonguard, that's the one. I hated that. Yes. I absolutely hated that. And it was a, it felt like a chore just to start mm-hmm. playing this game. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I can verify from experience. It does wear down on you to have to play something that you don't like. Even, even though it is a, a natural hazard of reviewing, you're, you're going to get yes. games that you love, and you're going to get games that you're just not so crazy about. Um, yes. Anyway, go ahead. Uh- Sorry. Uh, no problem. That's that's a, a good insight you brought up there, Glenn. Uh, Brian, when you were reviews editor of Nintendo Feed, can you uh, confirm or or change? Like, was your policy similar for the site? Like, can you go in depth on how you did that for for NintendoFeed.com? Uh, as far as the policy went for Nintendo Feed, um, it was very similar. the uh, The only thing that uh, kind of played into my role a bit in terms of uh, acquiring games is um, Nintendo Feed is based in the UK and therefore they were part of Nintendo of um, Europe's uh, their uh, press group. So mm-hmm. anytime that a first party game would come out, it was automatically designated to one of the um, UK reviewers, the UK editors. Mm-hmm. And because um, Nintendo does not allow uh, for well, they all of their consoles have region locking. That immediately segregated me from reviewing any first-party content outside of maybe like a virtual console game. Um, but anything else, uh, like you said, it was we would reach out to the developer and we would say, "Hey, we're interested in reviewing." Uh, I did a review for uh, Deus Ex: Human Revolution Director's Cut, and either uh, the um, the developer being Square in this instance would, you know, send me a download code or they would send me the physical copy. And um, from that point, it's it's very similar to um, how you of of what you had outlined here at PSU. So aside from uh, not being able to review first party content due to um, Nintendo's uh, region locking policies, uh, it's very similar. All right. Excellent. I guess we should mention that. Uh 
for new fans and gamers, obviously the PlayStation products are not region locked currently on the PS3 and PS4, but the Vita has memory card locking. So that does pose a problem with us sometimes trying to find someone to review a Vita game. If we can only get an EU code, that means someone has to either be from the EU or an NA person willing to basically have an EU memory card, uh, which kind of sucks if you like trophies like Tim and me. So um, now uh, with that said, also what we do for us at PSU is not uh, while we love to have lots of people reviewing the games, we love enthusiasm, people have to earn their spot. Uh, so automatically, some guy who comes and works for us day one is obviously not going to be re reviewing the next Mass Effect or the next Destiny or the next whatever. People have to earn their stripes. That's what I did when I first joined the site. That's what you had to do, Glenn. Brian Absolutely. is obviously going to be doing the same. So what will happen is... You know, there's a lot of indie titles, which is great because it gives people the opportunity to play a game that doesn't have that that same pressure, that same public pressure that uh, a first—I don't know why I said first party, but like a big party triple A game would have, uh, like that intense scrutiny. So if someone is doing their first ever professional review, uh, that's a good way to help them earn their wings to help blood them. So to speak, I did that with um, Lord of the Rings, uh, Guardians of Middle Earth, which was a great MOBA game. And I've never played MOBA games before um, and such. Glenn, what was your first review for the site? Um, let's see. I, I'm not sure if it was Doki Doki Universe or if it was mm -hmm. Flow. I think it was Doki Doki Universe. Mm -hmm. um, and... Let me be honest. I didn't care for that game. It was a, it was a charming game, but it was you know something you would sit and play in the waiting room if you had nothing else to do. It wasn't really a game that you really just seek out to go play. Um, mm -hmm. There were things about it that were annoying. There were things about it that I liked. Uh, I, I ended up giving it a six, and I, I also did Flow, which was uh, more enjoyable, I believe. Okay. But then a after that, I got to do Infamous Second Son, so that was awesome. So there you go. You you earned your wings with a couple of indie games, which one was sort of okay for you, the other one was better, and then bam, you got your your triple A awesomeness and infamous. So then, what I should ask for you guys then? Uh, let's get into some meat here. Let's uh, get into some details. When you review a game, uh, when you're going into it and you're playing it, what is the most important part for you? Like, do you break things down, like make things genre specific? Uh, or when you're playing the game, are you going to give more points towards graphics compared to story? Are you, are you focusing in on the story? Are you focusing on the gameplay? Like, what is your process? Uh, can you take us through it? Uh, Brian, I'll go to you first. So when I sit down to review a game, what... I myself do is I kind of break down the game into uh, different subsets, different criteria. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't necessarily look at, uh, say, graphics over gameplay necessarily, but what I'll do is I will look at a game and I'll say, like, okay, well, 
graphically the game is, you know, whatever it is, but I'll, then I'll kind of break that down a little further and I'll start analyzing, okay, is the, the art style consistent? I mean, are there any uh, environmental textures that seem out of place and it's something that the developer seemed to put more effort into as opposed to other things? Does it detract from the overall experience? Um, so... Once all of that is compiled, then I kind of take a look at it and I'll say, like, all right, in the grand scheme of things, was something like graphics or was something like um, the, any any bugs that could have been uh, present in the in the build that I got, are any of those detracting from the overall quality in a substantial sense? And um, once all of that, well, once I've kind of wrapped my head around the... Uh, the experience as a whole, that's when I can start kind of pinning the review and making all of that, all of the distinctions between what I had come up with, and that's when I start coming up with my uh, grade and final verdict. All right, awesome. Glenn, uh, do you do something similar? Do you have a totally different way of approaching it? In a way, um, when you're reviewing a game, uh, the first of all, the developer is going to send you some uh, information about the game, especially if it's a large game. I think for Infamous, I, I got a list of facts about the game, which was great. Um, I got some spoilers, um, which I didn't have to read what, right away. It's just stuff that the developer didn't want me to put in the review, um, because it, obviously the review is going to be released at least basically at the same time as the, um, the, the game itself. So there was some stuff that they still wanted to keep secret. It's important to respect that. Um, for me, I I guess at the at the tip of a friend, I kind of, a lot of people do a top down approach. I kind of go bottom up. Mm-hmm. So um, the the game starts with absolutely nothing, and as I play it, um, I I kind of give it points. It, it has to earn its points. Um, but the thing about it is, for for me, it's not all about the points. I, I want the points to match the review absolutely, but a lot of work. A lot of work goes into the review itself. I mean, that's like a thousand-something words there. And the score is just a a numerical representation. It's just like, okay, here's the review, and then here's why it got this review. So there's a lot of thought that goes into it. As I play, I'm I'm taking notes. I have my iPad, and I jot down notes. Um, When I notice something, I'll I'll be thinking of um, the audio. I'll be thinking of graphics, yes. I'll be thinking of gameplay, if um, applicable, because some games such as Heavy Rain don't really have a lot of gameplay. And then um, story, again, if applicable, because some games like Call of Duty really don't have a lot of story. So really, as I play, I I start kind of awarding it points, like do I see any noticeable graphical problems? And I don't mean like is the is the game really super sparkly? I mean, are there inconsistencies? Do certain things look flat behind things that really pop? Or uh, Is anything glitching? Are you sticking to any polygons? Um, is there like a dog stuck to the back of your leg? Uh, you know, is, is there anything wrong with it that you will notice while you're playing? Or is anything cons- is, or is everything consistent? Um, so there's that. Um, the, the gameplay, does it make sense? Um, does the, do the controls, um, are the controls natural? Do they feel good? Do you have to stretch your fingers? Are they too complicated? Um, the story, does it make sense? Does it flow well? Um, 
Are there inconsistencies? Does it answer your questions? Does it leave you scratching your head? If so, does it do that on purpose or does it do that by accident? So there's just a lot of these different things that I, I like to try to consider um, to really give a wholesome review. And at the end, I, I kind of add these all up and, and try to create um, a single score based on on how it does. But again, the, the idea is for the score to be uh, fair and to be representative of what the review itself says. Yeah, that's a that's a good point where you're talking about um, bottom up to top down and, and and stuff like that. What I do with mine is within the first 30 minutes, I already have a score in my head. I have a range with a middle. So, uh, for example, right now I'm doing natural doctrine, which should be uh, on the site before this podcast comes out. And so I'm playing the game within the first 30 minutes, I give it a number in my head. And, but then there's a range of where it could potentially go. So for example, if I give it in my head an eight, it, initially it could be from a six to a 10 is what I'm thinking. And then as I keep playing, that range keeps getting narrow and narrower as I move the bar. So suddenly in the next couple hours, well, it's now 7.5. And so the range could be 6.5 to 8.5 or, or stuff like that. And so as I'm playing the game, as little things pop up for good or bad, I just keep narrowing that range uh, continuously. And, you know, little things could, could add to it. Little things could not. For example, when I was doing the review for Hyperdimension Neptunia, uh, producing perfection. Uh, I forget the score I gave it. I think I gave it a seven. But when I beat the game, in my head, it was like a six to seven range. I think 6.5 was where I was at when I was talking to, uh, to Ernest about it. And then I saw the ending, and the ending just blew me away. It was a really creative, unique take on doing an ending credits, which is usually boring and dry, and everyone skips over them. But I was playing through the game again just to watch the ending credits again, which I thought was something special. And that made me move the bar more towards that seven range, which I believe is what I gave it. So that's what I try to do when, when I do mine. Uh, again, I think we should say that every reviewer, as we've seen here, does theirs in a different way. Brian does is different than Glenn. Glenn does different than mine. I do different than Brian and uh, Ernest. He does his differently. Kyle does his differently and so on. There's no specific right or wrong way to do a review uh, can, as can long I, as – yes. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Um, what do you do for significantly larger games such as a, a Final Fantasy um, mm -hmm. where things might start out kind of slow and within the first even, – even the first few hours you're, you're probably thinking maybe a, a six or, or something like that. But then um, maybe somewhere along the line something big can happen and it can change or, or you know, what, how do you work with much larger games with much larger scopes? Um. I still do the same thing. It's just I give it more more time. Uh, so maybe that initial – I still keep that initial score, but maybe the range is bigger, right? Okay. So my initial range – like I just gave that as an example. I said 8 from two to ten, from 6 to 10. That was just an example. Uh, a bigger game, one that has a lot more meat to it, like say a Final Fantasy where you know this game is going to be super long. Uh, I keep the range more open 
I give it more of a window to impress me or to unimpress me, and so to speak. And if I reach a spot that's not as impressive, it's I give it the time to show me like is this just an anomaly or is this a trend in the game? If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's what I try to do.、Um, I think it kind of works well for me. And again, it's like everyone has their own style. I think that's what some fans might not、uh, realize: is every person has their own style. I know Ernest got completely trashed by some people、uh, for his Destiny review because of the style that he chose to write it in.、Uh, people thought it was more of a subjective style,、uh, even though when I read it, I thought it, it sounded pretty good. So、um, I think what I like about our site is we have all of our articles linked by our name, and so if you read, say,、uh, Ernest's or sorry, not Ernest Glenn's, your infamous Second Son article,、mm-hmm. you can click on your name and you can go and track. It might take a little time depending on how much you write, but you can track each review and you can read more of your stuff. You can get. The sense of your style and figure out what you are looking for in a game, how you do your ads, do your minuses, and and things like that.、Mm-hmm. Um, so,、uh, with that said, I should say,、uh, let's get the big giant white elephant in the room: the review scores itself, right?、Mm. <laughs> what? Yeah, I know. That's what everyone loves. That's what everyone bases it on.、Um, When I did、uh, the God of War review, which got a lot of press, a lot of heat about, our very own editor in chief, Kyle Prahl, made a comment about number solves.、Uh, he said people get frustrated because a game doesn't get a specific number that they think it should get, and so he just called it number salt, like salt in the wounds.、Uh, how much? I'll go with you, Glenn, first for this. How much do you think the actual number matters? Very, very, very little. Very, very little. Very, very, very little. The thing about the number is, it's meant to. It, so, some of these numbers. Okay, let me talk about these numbers for a second.、Yeah. Um, it doesn't really help that there's no set standard for、mm-hmm. a, a rating system,、um, because it, it's 100% arbitrary. Any site can give any game any number it wants to, and, and really try to justify that. But.、Um, More often than not, it's a one to ten scale. Sometimes you get a one to five. Sometimes you get a one to a hundred. All in all, it's the exact same thing.、Um, Kotaku is the only site, and I know you're not friends with Kotaku right now, Dane. But、um, <laughs> Kotaku,、okay. Kotaku is the only site that I think has the best、um, system, and it's simply yes or no. Yes, you want to get this game, or no, it's not worth your time.、Um, Everything else, IGN, for example, they they don't just do one through ten. They do like、uh, you can get a seven point eight and a seven point nine, and, and they do it by tenths instead of whole numbers.、Mm-hmm. And you know that's just so arbitrary because what's the difference between a seven point nine and a seven point eight? What is that tenth? What is, exactly is that tenth of a point? You can't tell. There is no such. There is nothing to to justify that tenth of a point. So why it's there is beyond me. And it's frustrating to me when、um, so such chaos in, ensues after a review score comes out, and it's very clear that people haven't read the review. I mean, that happened to me with、um, Infamous Second Son.、Um, 
everyone was upset that I gave it a 10. Um, and so I'll see things... I, I don't remember the exact comments. Um, I was trying to, but I can't. But I remember seeing things that really showed that they didn't read why I gave it a 10. It's like uh, things like, oh, you, you really thought that this game was absolutely perfect, that there was nothing wrong with it the whole time. And it's like, no, I remember in the review specifically, I said there were things that came up that I didn't like about the game. But as the game progressed, it really took everything that concerned me and provided a solution. So I had no reason to take a point off. And it's like, you don't, the review score is just a representation of the review, or it's, it, or it's supposed to be, all right? The review score preps you and says, this was uh, a decent game, or it was an, an off game. You have to go and read the review to find out why, okay? The, the, the review itself is not the score, and my problem is that a lot of people treat the review, uh, treat, excuse me, treat the score as, it's, as if it's the review. And so you'll have uh, a game come out that, um, should, that gets an 8, alright? 8 out of 10, fantastic score. That's a great score. But it, when a game gets an 8 out of 10, everyone thinks that that game is bad. Just not because of the review. I mean, the review could say just positive things. There could just be some graphical hiccups and, and maybe some misplaced audio. Um, maybe uh, a mission was less than exciting. Um, so it got an 8, but even though the review says all these good things about the game, everyone looks at the score and it's like, oh, it got an 8, it's a bad score. Because all the best games get like a 10 or something like that. And, you know, it's just ridiculous. The number means nothing. The number means absolutely nothing. It's completely, 100% arbitrary. All, you, all it is, is it's just a representation of, uh, just a, at a glance, is this a game that's worth my time or not? And that's why I think Kotaku has the best rating system, because it's a simple yes or no. And you're not bogged down by all these little nitpicks that take out a tenth of a score or, or half of a point. Um, that really doesn't mean anything whatsoever. So does the review score mean anything to me? Absolutely not. The review is the words that the reviewer spent his time typing for you to read. And if you don't read them, you're doing yourself a disservice by... Um, following just this arbitrary number. You could miss out on a great game and not even know it just because you follow that number and not the actual review itself. Yeah, now just before, Brian, I get your comment on that. Um, I should point out that Screw Attack, they do a similar system to Kotaku, but they added in uh, a rent it option. So it's like buy it, rent it, or leave it. I forget, or don't buy it. I forget that what the negative like, one is. sounds like uh, Technologic by Daft Punk. Yeah, so I mean, because, you know, you can still rent games, and so maybe it's worth a rent. Maybe it's worth, you know, a day of playing instead of just spending out 60 bucks. You can find it for 5 bucks off of Gamefly or something like that. So, Brian, uh, what are your thoughts? Do you agree with Glenn? Do you have an entirely different uh, approach or thought? No, I, I'm, I'm on the same page with Glenn. I, I personally don't agree with giving a game a numerical value myself um to glenn's point i think the best reviews are the ones that just kind of give you this you know yes you should play no you shouldn't um because and and i know that a lot of people given you know their financial status might say like well i have to see where my money's going to go so when they open up the review on ign they'll scroll all the way to the bottom without reading the review see, oh, okay, this got a 7.5, here are the pluses, here are the minuses, okay. 
And to Glenn's point, doing so is is a great disservice to you as a gamer because you know you might be dissuaded from an experience that you might have found worthwhile if you had just taken the time to read the review and say that, okay, maybe this didn't work for the reviewer, but this aspect doesn't really bother me as much, or you may find value where uh, they did not. Um, and I know with the industry kind of being driven by Metacritic, that only makes things worse because immediately people, like for Destiny, for example, they'll go and they need to see, you know, what... Uh, IGN or GameSpot gave Destiny in relation, and they're trying to compare notes, so to speak. And it's it it's very frustrating as a reviewer, especially when I get to the end of the review and I'm thinking, all right, now I have to give it an, a numerical value because that's just it's what's expected. It's you know, you have to have that number, you know, in big bold lettering because unfortunately it does feel like a lot of times that that is the most important part of my review as as opposed to the thousand or whatever words that i've compiled one number is more important than all of the effort that i've put in that's what's going to be reflected on that's to glenn's point if he gave infamous second son a 10 and everybody's um all up in arms about that without necessarily reading why he felt that the game even with its minor flaws got that 10 um it's it's absolutely frustrating. Uh, it so yes. <laughs> I think yeah. Um, I mean, so yeah, it's information. Yeah, it's yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Um, if I can add something, I don't. Yeah. I, I just kind of want to rephrase because I don't think that the number is one hundred percent. You, it is a hundred percent arbitrary. I, I will stick with that, but I don't think it's completely useless because I am thinking of, um, I have a 3DS and I was trying to choose at the time between Fire Emblem Awakening and Bravely Default because both games had been recommended to me. And I'd read both reviews and they both sounded pretty good. They were both definitely games I was interested in. Um, but after looking around at multiple sites, and yes, multiple sites, uh, don't ever just take one review and, and, and quote that as your law. J no. Um, look around and, and see, because that one review is one reviewer's opinion, please. Um, but after all the reviews, consistently I saw that Fire Emblem Awakening was getting um, better review scores. Um, I'd seen, I'd, I'd been reading the reviews, I liked them both, but I wasn't sure which one to pick first. But Fire Emblem Awakening was getting better review, review scores, so I figured, okay, I'll get Fire Emblem Awakening first, I'll play that, and then I'll get Bravely Default. So there are some useful applications for the review scores, but it's never healthy to um, just live by the review score and think that that's just the representation of whether a game is good or bad, because there's so much more to it than that. Yeah, I think that's why uh, when Kyle mentioned the phrase or the term number salt before, what what I liked about that term, and, and this isn't a jab, this isn't an insult to the, the fans and viewers listening to the podcast, but it felt like when he said that, people expect the review score to validate them. Like, this is a game that I enjoy, or this is a series that I enjoy, and so oh, this place gave it a six? I mean, what does that say about me? Or if you don't like a game and then other sites are giving it a 10, and it's like, what does this say about me uh, as a gamer or a person or whatever? Like, for some reason, gamers need to be validated 
about their purchases, their likes really? and dislikes and so on. Like, for example, I have I have no qualms about saying Lightning's the waifu. I say that on many, many podcasts. <laughs> Lightning's the waifu and I have the most Lightning memorabilia probably of a lot of people. Um, it's ridiculous how much Lightning stuff I have. Uh, and I enjoy Final Fantasy 13, 13 X2 and Lightning Returns. Um, does that mean it's the greatest game ever? Uh, no. But uh, I'm not suddenly going to not like Lightning because a bunch of sites gave it a 60-something average on Metacritic. Um, I shouldn't have to have the need to be validated because I like that character. I just like that character. I like that game. Or the reverse. I don't like Halo. Right, I have no qualms about saying that I find Halo to be completely boring, and it's I don't uh, I don't need a site to tell me a score of five out of ten to validate my feelings about that series, and so on. Uh, and to go on about your point again, Glenn, about how you could miss games that you like that you might love genuinely by just looking at a score. Um, case in point, one of my favorite magazines of all times is called Game Players. This is way back in the 90s. And if I just looked at a score, well, then I would never have played Earthbound. And Earthbound is one of my number one RPGs, not just on the Super Nintendo, but of all time. Like literally whenever I was sick and I stayed home from school, I was at the store and I rented Earthbound. I had that for the day. Like every time I'd try to speed run it or whatever. And they gave it like a 60-something percent. And this site had a percent, and a br- or the, the, the magazine had a percent and a breakdown of how they got the score and everything. And so I'm thinking, man, a 60-something, that's a D, right? Elementary school student, that's a D. That's a crappy game. That's almost an F. Um, and I think that's why when you talked about that 8, why people think an 8 might not be great is because I think a lot of people think of the numbers in terms of school. They're socialized to think of the numbers in terms of what you get at school. An eight, the eight range is a B, the nine range is an A, the sevens are a C, and below that are a D. That's just my opinion, my thoughts on that. If that's true, that absolutely sucks because the school uh, grade system peters out um, below a 60. Um, So um, in reality, that's just a 1 to 4. That's not a 1 to 10 because uh, anything below a 60 is an F. Uh, actually, well, in your area, my area, anything below a 50 is an F. So, but still it's the same. It's kind of like it sucks or it sucks a lot worse, right? Mm -hmm. A 49 sucks, but a 12 sucks even worse than a 49. If anything, Uh, I I I think that that adds more value to the one to five scale then because that, that gets rid of that, um, uh, goodness, the, um, the, the one to 10 grade thing. I I don't even know what to call that. Yeah. Yeah, that little wasteland between one to five of how badly do you suck, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, so, uh, again, going back to the scores, Destiny just happened. We're going to have to talk about Destiny. It's, it's a big elephant in the room. Um, people are talking about hype. Now, as a reviewer, as the games that you've played, we've all played games that are AAA, that are coming out to a lot of preview fanfare, a lot of hype. Uh, Brian, I'll go to you first about this. Uh, does hype affect you in any way uh, towards reviewing a game? And do you think it affects uh, game reviews in general when a game is getting so much hype and that suddenly, like, you know, for example, GTA 5 is coming out 
everyone's talking about it and then a site gives it a 6 out of 10. Do you think the hype amplifies that negativity or positivity of a score coming out for a review? I think when there's a lot of hype around a title, as there was with Destiny, when I'm reviewing a game, I try to distance myself from that as much as I possibly can. Um, but I know that it felt like a lot of the reviews were uh, hype did, in fact, play a large role. Um, it's no secret that Activision had a massive uh, marketing campaign and a lot to say about Destiny. And so... I think that more than more so than hype, there was an expectation placed on Destiny, and when the final product came, and and it's a fun game, don't get me wrong, but there are definite definite flaws to Destiny. There there was a part of me reading some of these reviews, and I was thinking that you know maybe maybe the six out of ten that I'm seeing isn't necessarily validated. Maybe. Maybe it's just because, again, there was just this this sort of lofty view of Destiny, and when it didn't quite reach those heights, then suddenly, you know, well, obviously it didn't live up, and therefore, you know, this this aspect, you know, this gameplay aspect, or, you know, these visuals or something didn't quite match up what we were being told or what we were being promised, and therefore, maybe the severity of what they're doing to the game in the review is a bit, uh, bit stronger. Um... But going back to what I said in the beginning, I myself, if I were reviewing Destiny, I would uh, do what I could to keep uh, my view of that game and the hype that surrounded it, since you know apparently it was going to be the second coming, as uh, as Activision told us. But try to distance myself and segregate myself from that as much as possible, and try to focus on Destiny as a product and not so much as a presence. Um, and my own view of Destiny, I, I feel very confident that what I have come up with in my own criticisms are not necessarily based on um, the letdown of the hype or what others have have said in relation to um, how the hype has affected them. I feel that my own criticisms are valid just as a reviewer taking on a new project. Um, I could care less if it's a $500 million game like Destiny or if it's a game that was funded on Kickstarter. Um, when it comes down to it, as a reviewer for me, hype does not play into how I view a game. I think that that's more for the culture in general. All right, Glenn, what do you think? Do you agree, disagree, got a different take on it? Looks like... Glenn disappeared on us suddenly. No, I didn't. I just had my microphone muted. Um, uh. <laughs> how many times am I going to do that? Like, when will I learn? Um, sorry about that. But uh, before I answer that question directly, let me say this. Um, don't be afraid of the hype. Okay? Don't fear the hype. Um, because let me just say that hype is there for a reason. If everyone is excited about the game, it's not just because they're hearing other people talk about it. It's because there is something there that's made them excited about the game. And I say this because Destiny is not the only elephant here. There's an older elephant called Watch Dogs that had a lot of momentum behind it before it was launched. In fact, it won um, some sort of unofficial title, or I say unofficial just because there's no actual record um, title thing, but um, 
most pre-ordered new IP of all time. Um, I'm not sure if Destiny took that from it, but um, there was a lot of hype behind Watch Dogs. But it was there because Watch Dogs was awesome. As it was presented at E3 some years back, Watch Dogs was amazing. Everyone I showed that trailer to fell in love with it right away. And it had nothing to do with just, oh, everyone's talking about this game, so there's a lot of hype. Um, it had nothing to do with over-ad... I can't speak. There's a Jolly Rancher in my mouth. I'm sorry. Um, it had nothing to do with over-advertising. Um, it was just an awesome, awesome trailer. It, it was a trailer that was gorgeous. It, it was, the, the story it seemed to tell was compelling. There was just so much going for that game um, that the hype, the hype behind it just was natural. It was expected. Everyone loved that game. So when it came out, it didn't help that um, Ubisoft slashed some stuff and that the graphics were lower than expected. Um, the driving wasn't as expected. That was all stuff that wasn't part of those trailers. That was all stuff that we had never heard of before. So, I mean, there was no real scale as to what we expected. Um, I, and I'm not giving Ubisoft an excuse by saying that. I'm just saying um, those are things that weren't told to us to begin with. Unfortunately, those were also some of the things that brought Watch Dogs down. So what I'm saying is the hype is an illusion, okay? There's no real such thing as hype. Everyone sees a game uh, and it's really popular and everyone's like, oh, don't don't get this game because it's overhyped. It's going to disappoint you. But the hype is there just because everyone's excited for the game. And legitimately so. Nothing is um, false about it. It's just that this is what we've been shown and it's genuinely exciting everyone. Um, as for whether or not this affects my reviewing, um, I'd have to say no, it doesn't, uh, because, again, this is just stuff that I'm excited for. If I'm excited for a game, it's because I've seen something to legitimately make me excited for it. has nothing to do with hype, has nothing to do with what everyone else is saying about the game. I saw something in the trailers, in the, the announcements... Um, I've seen something in the game that has made me genuinely interested in the game. And because it's just me genuinely interested in the game, then I don't have to worry about what everyone else is saying about the game. It's just me and my opinion. And I am therefore able to say this is what works, this is what doesn't, and review it as a normal game. So the hype train has left the building. The hype train isn't even on the tracks. No such thing. There's no no it's, such thing. It's, it's completely... <laughs> I know, I know I'm saying something that's kind of off the cuff. Uh, believe me, I know. <laughs> but it's completely illusory because it's just, you know, everyone thinks that it's because everyone's freaking out about this game that a game is popular. But no, it's because there's something legitimate about the game that everyone's interested in. So there is no real hype. It's just an interesting game. There we go. We heard it from Glenn himself. There is no hype train. That train that you see going by is just a ghost. You're suddenly in Ghostbusters 3, people. <laughs> Somehow you're on the set. Yes. Who knows how it could happen. So, uh, fans and viewers, thank you again for joining us. This is the PlayStation Universe review special. Uh, we're going to go now to something else. Uh, at the beginning of the show, we talked about how the majority of reviewers are not paid. And so because of it, the majority of, of, of us are probably volunteer staff, right? I don't get paid for this gig. I just get a nice little title. I get some free games. Same as Brian, same as Glenn, same as the majority of people on there who do not work for a site that's called IGN. Oh, wait, you, you don't get paid? 
I don't get paid. Well, what have I been getting? No, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm totally kidding. Man, Sony, you're jinxing me again. <laughs> you really hate that God of War review. No, I do not uh, get paid at all. Yeah, but on all seriousness, I bring that up specifically because, again, time is a limited resource for people. Uh, a lot of us are adults who work for these sites. We either have uh, jobs, 40-hour-a-week jobs. We have families. We have children. We have other obligations and responsibilities in the real world. So college a lot of student. us, college student for you, mm -hmm. I am a school teacher. I'm teaching 40 hours a week plus prep plus research plus other stuff. Brian, um, I forgot you have a family, don't you? Yes, I do. Right. So he's got a family. Um, so who knows, you know, that's a lot of time right there, depending on how old your, your children are, child or children. So you're investing a limited pool of resources into a product that could either be super awesome, you know, toot toot on the awesome train because the hype train doesn't exist, mm -hmm. or it could be super sucky or in between. So the question I have for you guys, and I'm specifically bringing this up because this was a question or this was a comment that irked me a little bit on Ernest Destiny review is uh, someone brought up a comment. It, probably was not malicious. I'm hoping it was not malicious, but talking about how Ernest probably just, you know, skipped through things, hardly played the game at all, and, and then did out the review. So I want to know from you guys, I'll go to Glenn first, how many hours do you put into a game before you start doing up the review, before the review goes live? How many hours have you put into your games that you reviewed? What, in total or just per game? For just per game. So let's say you did Infamous, right? You're playing Infamous. How many hours did you put into Infamous? Or like what is your philosophy for how many you should put into uh, said game? Well, Infamous, I played the entire game. Um, okay. it's, uh, it's about 10 hours. Okay. Um, some games are just ridiculously long. Mm -hmm. But that said, I mean, you should always play the whole game. Because, especially for story-based, I mean, if it's just like Call of Duty or whatnot, then there isn't much story, and it's mostly just multiplayer. So it, it really depends on, um, you know, how much of the multiplayer you have access to and how much you can experience um, to determine how much time you put into it, you know? I mean, if you can experience the entire game, uh, the entire multiplayer world in a couple hours, then that's it, you know? But um, for a game like um, Final Fantasy, I'll go back to that because those are notoriously long. I mean, you don't, it, it's very story-driven, and so you don't really have um, a way to tell how it's all going to pan out. You really have to play as much of it as you can. Um, otherwise, you might miss a twist at the end that, could, that would otherwise completely change your opinion of the game. Uh, you have to play as much of it as you can, however long it might take. Um, that said, we're, we don't really control when the games get sent to us. Um, sometimes it can be a time crunch. As Dangerous said, we've all got our lives. I'm a college student about to graduate in December. Can't freaking wait. Um, Brian's got a family to take care of. Dane, you're in Japan teaching for a full-time uh, full all week. You're in, you're in Korea. I thought you went to Japan. Yeah. Oh, um, I'm in Korea now. It was Japan before. Okay, you're in Korea. So you're, you've, we've all got a lot of stuff to do, um, real-life stuff that we have to do. We're not getting paid for this. This is not our job. This is just like a labor of love, 
it's something we like to do. So um, we're some sometimes these games are given to us rather late, kind of kind of soon before the time the review's supposed to be out. So it's crunch time, you know. But you still have to play as much of it as you can, and if it's just so long or so out there that you're not going to be able to meet your deadline, um, I don't know. I mean. I guess it just depends on what's ethical. Should you try to research the game? If it's a game that's not out, you're not really going to get to research it. Um, and, and I'm not really in favor of getting um, information about the game from other reviews anyway, because that can skew what you're writing. So really, just play the whole thing if you can. Just play as much of it as you possibly can, because that's the only way you're going to get... Um, the, the most information you can and thus be able to write a fair review of the game all right well said glenn uh brian what do you think agree disagree got a different take on it no i agree with glenn um even with everything that i've got going on uh i've been working a lot of a lot of hours at work um i, I do have a family my son is autistic so there are other um other responsibilities uh, regarding my son that uh, take time out of my day uh, trying to um, get him uh, developed and in, in where he needs to be um, mentally and behaviorally. Uh, when I reviewed games uh, back at Nintendo Feed, because I have yet to, I haven't reviewed anything for um, PlayStation Universe quite yet, but uh, kind of building off of Glenn's point, I would. Um, I really did not feel comfortable giving a review if I had not completed the game, regardless of whether it was a Final Fantasy or if I was playing uh, just a simple platformer. If I had needed to, I would sacrifice sleep to try to get a review compiled um, in a timely manner and to make sure that I wasn't just basing my assumptions or uh, my, my perception of the game on, say, 5, 10, 15 hours uh, when, you know, the undertaking was like a 40 hour uh, RPG. Um, to Glenn's point, when you have a game that is, uh, so, um, heavily reliant on narrative, like a mass effect, for example, I, when you were reviewing a game like that, you really, really need to see it through to the end because that's, that's that game's claim to fame. You can't kind of making when you're not, taking all of that into consideration, you're kind of under, undermining the game, in, in a sense, and what it was developed as and for. Um, and so it's not necessarily an honest review. I mean, I'm not saying that a game that you review without finishing it isn't necessarily spot on in some aspects, but if you are kind of cutting it short where you shouldn't, then, I mean, it's not necessarily an honest review then. Um, I'm not saying that you necessarily need to kill yourself like I, I would at times viewing something like Deus Ex, which um, I, I remember that one very vividly because I was, uh, I think I stayed up two solid days um, making sure that I got that out around the time that the game launched uh, with everything else I had going on. I'm not saying that that was the best thing to do because obviously it wasn't, but um I don't know. I guess for me, I just I feel as though if I put something out without experiencing or experiencing it in full the way the developer intended, I'm not giving an honest and legitimate review. It's it's 
it might be something in my subconscious that's really bugging me about it, but that's that's just not how I, as a reviewer, operate. I make every uh, every attempt I can at finishing a game, at least maybe the the main campaign or uh, you know the main the main story portion of it. So you guys are basically in total agreement. It sounds like. Um, my take is a little different, uh, and I'm going to be a bit controversial with this. Um, I personally don't think that every game needs to be 100% finished because uh, there's that time crunch. And I feel that sometimes things are going to be rushed uh, to meet a time crunch. And this is where the controversy comes in, is the fact that there's a thing called embargoes. Now, some people might not know this. Uh, so the, the company gives us the game, the code, the whatever. They say the embargo is 12 o'clock p.m. PST. So that means we can't have anything about the game or the, we can't have the review up before that time or we're going to get sued or something. So if, uh, like we talk about time crunch, sometimes we get the game a couple weeks in advance, which is great, before embargo. Because sometimes we use embargo, that's our deadline. That's the time we need the review up and live, so that way it's up there to get hits uh, and competing with other sites for hits. Because after a certain time, people are just going to lose interest in the game, and they might not, and they're on to the next one, right? Thus is the industry. And so if you get a couple weeks before embargo, that's great. You have the time to play as much of the game as possible. Sometimes we get the game like a week before embargo or a couple of days before embargo. And uh, the one thing I do is I actually don't care about embargo when I get a game is I, I think I've met embargo two times for games and most of the time I go past it. I'm just like, screw it. If it's, uh, and this is where I agree with you guys where you got to play the game so much you got to get as much of it as possible so you can put out an honest, real opinion about the game. And so if that means we're going to lose hits because my review is two days late or a week late or whatever, well, that's so be it. And part of the reason why is because sometimes sites don't give us the day, uh, the, the code or the game until the day of release. Uh, some sites get it before, some sites get it the day of, right? The different companies have different priorities of who gets what first. And so it's kind of a disservice to, to rush things. But, uh, and this is for I'm different than you guys, is I actually have a little bit of a set limit of what I'll put into a game uh, simply because if, let's say I'm playing Mass Effect, I'll say that if within 20 hours of Mass Effect, if I'm thinking this game is a seven, I'm just making it simple, right? I'm just putting things simply, I'll just say a score. If I'm thinking it's a seven, is 10 hours going to make that big of a difference? And then it's a, is that going to change my score suddenly in 10 hours? And then if it does, what does that say about the rest of the game where I've just invested 20 hours into this game that's a seven and suddenly I need to invest 30 hours to get an eight out of it and so on. So for me, I put I don't want to say specific time frames on how much I put into a game, but like a fighter, I only need to play that for a few hours because there's only a, it's only a fighting game. I play the game, I get the combos down, I play through the modes and so on because it's very short. It's very succinct. 
you don't need to put a lot of time into a fighter uh, compared to an RPG because, like you say, they're narrative-based. Uh, but at the same time, if a game's like 40 hours long, that's just like narrative-wise. I mean, if the story is, is horrible for the first 20 hours, the story is horrible for the first 20 hours. And so a lot of people, the layman fan, is going to get that 20 hours of it, and they already have the, the game shut off. Uh, but like long before then. So I think I take a bit of that into account when I play a game where if the first 20 hours this is just bad, well, that's what the, that's what the layman fan is going to have. They're going to get that first 20 hours. The layman fan isn't going to put in the extra 20 hours to maybe get that one moment of grace or that one moment of shine that turns a five into a seven for that just one fleeting moment. Well, if that, if that makes sense. Can I give you a possible example of one that might? Okay. Final Fantasy XIII. Um, that game was my very first Final Fantasy that I'd ever played. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kept being told, oh, you have to get to like the 30-hour mark. Because I, I was discouraged because I was enjoying the story, but the gameplay was absolutely dreadful for me. It was so... It was, it was linear to the point of just tearing... I'm, I'm bald and I wanted to tear my hair out. Um... So, I mean, that sucked, but I, I kept being told, well, at this point it opens up. And in the end, I ended up getting stuck at a boss, I think, whose name was Sid, and I, I put the thing down and never picked it up again. But, I mean, I kept being told, at this point it opens up and it gets better, and that's like 30 hours into the game. Um, I mean, so 30 hours into the game, thinking about it, I probably would have given that thing a five. But after that 30-hour mark, Assuming, I mean, I, I never made it, so assuming it was as good as everyone was telling me it was, that could have gone up to a six or a seven. But I, hey, wouldn't, I, have, I wouldn't have reached, I wouldn't have um, known that. I mean, I stopped. I stopped after 30 hours. If that had been enough for me and I didn't know there was anything else beyond, the game would have been a five and I would have had no idea that it got any better. But then I guess what I'm saying is what does that say about the game where you have to put in, like, before it gets good, it's like you got to put in this amount of time. Like, the game should be, like, generally quick to getting good. Like, a good game, at least to me, should show you its goodness very quickly. And if it takes, like, for example, someone mentioned with Ernest's Destiny review, I'm, I'm sorry to keep going back to Destiny, but they're saying, yeah, the game gets good after level 20. Well, I have a life time is limited even if i'm not a reviewer let's say i'm just a fan you're asking me to put what 40 hours 30 hours into this game that's not that good yet to reach this level 20 before it gets good it's asking a lot of a person to fish over 60 dollars for that it is but i think that was poorly phrased because i mean the game doesn't get good at level 20 it gets better at level 20 i mean it's all it's already good but the thing is, I mean, when, once you hit level 20, um, okay. some more aspects of the game open up, which is, which is normal. That's called an end game, you know? Okay, but, so, but I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, it might be poorly phrased, but yeah. I mean, to, to have that big switch, like, suddenly you got to invest 20 hours before it's, you get your, your 8 out of 10 or your 9 out of 10 or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's asking a lot of a typical normal fan, and so that's the way that I take my approach when I play it. It's like, I've played it for 20 hours. It's an RPG. I'll put about 20 hours into an RPG. And if by then I'm not feeling it, if it's not already hooked me, it's not going to hook me. I wanted to stop playing Dragon Guard so badly. 
Right. I wanted to stop. I could not stand that game. Right. And I and I think I should mention too is the fact like it's sounding like you know we're gonna quit on things and stuff, but you know as a reviewer like we keep going a lot farther playing the game that we we normally would have if if we had the luxury of giving up. Like you said yourself, you hated Drakengard. You wanted to give it up right away. Mm-hmm. As a normal fan, you would. That's the luxury you have. Sometimes as a reviewer, we kind of don't have that luxury. And we, we have to, to keep going and playing a game that automatically we're like, man, this, 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 this game sucks. And I still got to get through it. This is rough and tough. Right. Right. Yeah. That's how it was for me. I mean, that game, I just did not enjoy it. And so every time I... Uh, in fact, I think I was really late on the review um, because it was. Just, I had all sorts of other stuff to do, and it's like I just really don't want to play this game right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was terrible. It was so. It was so pathetic. I was so pathetic. <clears throat> We've all had those games. We've yeah. all had games like that. Um, so uh, let's uh, let's try and go into a different direction. I'm looking at my my notes and actually can i ask a question sure what do you see in a lot of other reviews that you would just like to see go away like in in other words what do a lot of reviewers uh do that you think is wrong that's a good question uh i would say automatically social justice social justice social justice uh i think that people should take a game for what it is and not what you hope it to be and for that, uh, a key point is JRPGs, right? Japan has a totally different culture than America. They make games a specific way. And I think it's a disservice to the games to put a Western lens on them and to complain about aspects that you have no control about. For example, uh, I read a review by IGN for the first Mugen Souls game. And they gave it like a 4 out of 10. And basically the entire review just sounded like a rip piece about how, oh, they don't like the character designs because they're too busty. And the the female characters act this way and, and stuff like that. Instead of actually saying this is what the game is. This is what's going to happen. You know, and it's a very biased view. I hate that IGN does that. Right? I hate that IGN does that. Like, it's not the fact, like, I don't mind someone talking about, okay, this is what's in the game, because I do that myself. I did Mugen Soul Z. I did the review for Mugen Soul Z, and there's a lot of sexual themes in that game. There's a lot of BDSM sexual themes in that game, which can put a lot of people off. But I'm not going to knock points from the game, because that's what the game is. The game has that raunchy sexual humor. It has those cutscenes. It has those anime stills about it. That is what the game is. That is the charm the game wants to give. Uh, And so what I say in my review is I say, specifically, if you like that stuff, then you're going to enjoy it. And if if you have a problem with those things, then this game might not be for you. But I don't make a judgment call. I don't judge the game. On what it try on what it is. It's it's not in, in other way. words, it's not your job to like the game for someone else. Yes, exactly. It's not my job to like the game for someone else. Um, if that makes sense. <laughs> I don't even know if I, I said it. Yeah. I was like, I hope this makes sense. I, I know, but but again, going back, like it's if if a game is talking about um, you know death to America as an example, an extreme an exa- a very extreme example. Uh, 
like a patriotic American shouldn't be like, man, this game sucks because it's talking about anti-Americanism and stuff like that. It's like, no, it's the game sucks because it has poor gameplay or something like that. That is just the narrative it chose to use. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can say, you know, well, if you're if you're a very patriotic American, this might offend you. This might put you off, which is fine. But a reviewer should not be making a moral judgment about the game. The game is what it is. Okay, this is completely off track. I apologize. But um, in RDGH, we were talking about how a lot of games take a kind of pro-American stance. Yes. Um, But I don't know, somehow you saying death to America, it Mm. gave me a really awesome premise for a video game. So, (laughs) like, I'm not even kidding. So, like, what if you had a video game based Mm. on the current tensions between America and the Middle East? And yes. it, it takes the perspective of someone on the Middle East, like a, a, a young man or a young woman. Um, actually, I think a young woman would be better, who mm-hmm. is um, kind of forced to go along with whatever the opinion is in her area, the anti-American opinion. Mm-hmm. But yet she's um, she works with some of the American soldiers that are over there, and her perspective kind of changes, yet she's kind of still stuck over there, and she has to work... Um, against the people that she is sworn um, under pain of death probably to work with. Like that would, I mean, I'm sorry. I know I'm completely off track, but like that, there, there are so many different awesome stories out there that you can get that don't have to follow one, uh, one theme or one path. Um, yeah. But anyways. Yeah, I know. And the reason why, like I mentioned social justice, that's just the one thing I bring up, but it also talks about like people who have culture problems and stuff is the problem with bringing that stuff up in reviews is then your score is going to be judged by your philosophy, by your agenda, whether or not you mean it or not. Like, for example, um, uh, what was it? Someone wrote in a review about GTA 5 and they were talking about the way women were represented in the game and it came off as very, like, uh, agenda-ish instead of like these are the facts and so when people saw the score people are complaining that oh the score is not because of what the game is it's because of this person's agenda and their philosophy and I think that detracts from the art of reviewing and it hurts uh, it hurts any medium whatever it could be it could be games or movies or books or whatever which kind of sucks there is something I kind of want to be clear on there's really no such thing as a completely objective review. Of course. Um, it's a review for a reason. It's one person's yeah. experience with the game. What Dane is talking about is um, the, the difference between uh, um, a review that tries to look objectively and a completely subjective review. And I know that doesn't make sense, but hear me yeah. out. Imagine, um, so your agenda is, um, um, we've been talking about it a lot lately. Why not? Misogyny. So you hate. So you're talking about how um, there are no women in this game, and this one person talks about how he hates women or whatnot. Um, that's definitely something that a lot of people would frown upon. But it's not your job in the review to frown upon it. It's your job to review the game. Does the story make mm-hmm. sense? Is it? Can you follow what's going on? Um, if and it's your job to tell people, okay, well, if you um, are a feminist, you might not enjoy this game. You know? Yeah. Exactly. It, it's up to your readers to decide whether or not they will like the game. It's up to you as a reviewer to um, explain your experience with the game and what 
kind of people you think might enjoy it. Um, mm. is, do you think that this would be worth my time? Do you think this would be worth my money? It's not your job to like the game for someone else. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I couldn't have summed it up better. <laughs> sure you could have. Sure you could have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I guess we should ask to bring this question to uh, Brian. Uh, either this or is there something else like Glenn asked that you want to see uh, out of reviews? It's something that annoys you or or something. No, that was going to be uh, that was what I was going to bring up as far as um, some of the more professional sites. Um, in that, like you guys are saying, it, it's not our job to criticize a game's narrative. For example, the the style that it chose that it chose. Um, uh, for example, a game that I'm I'm really looking forward to. Uh, next month is Bayonetta 2. Mm-hmm. And um, if I were reviewing Bayonetta 2, I know offhand that that narrative is going to be... It's, it's going to be garbage. But there is an expectation there, and I'm, my review wouldn't necessarily criticize the um, overly sexualized uh, nature of Bayonetta. I mean, that's again, that's not necessarily my job. Would I make a note of it? Uh, not just... In the context that you kind of uh, you that you two kind of laid out, and that I would say like, hey, Bayonetta, you know, features uh, you know highly suggestive situations regarding uh, you know female characters. This might uh, you know dissuade some players from it, from you know embarking on the experience. But um, again, I mean, like it to me, gaming has always been especially in recent years, is, is very much an art form. And when we as reviewers start calling out these developers on the decisions that they are making about the content and the direction that they are pushing these games, I mean, that that's not our job, especially as a game. I mean, if the game plays great, that's wonderful. The narrative can be whatever it is. It, you know, it's, the bottom line is you are playing a game. If it has a strong narrative, that's great. Whether you agree or whether you agree or not with it is um, completely up to you. But a review and the score and the verdict that you give about a game should not be diminished or bolstered based on whether or not you agree with the message or imagery that's being portrayed in a game. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you guys. That's really all that I can think of off the top of my head in terms of, um, some of the bigger sites, something that I would kind of like to see go away because especially when you go to the comments section of these reviews, then it becomes a completely different kind of discussion altogether. It's not so much about the game, but it becomes this sort of, um, you know, conversation and arguments, uh, are, are happening about, uh, social status or, uh, you know all these different different kinds of um, subject matter that could emerge from a review pointing out you know hypersexualized characters or the role of women in video games and and I don't really think that a review should be responsible for sparking that sort of that sort of debate that's that's more in line for other message boards other features um, a review is not social commentary. Exactly. I mean, we're here to tell you whether we enjoy playing a game or not. 
did I enjoy the story of uh, The Last of Us? Absolutely. It really it did in fact help tie that game together. But in I guess I guess what I'm trying to say again is the bottom line. Um, we are not here to criticize an art form for the direction that an artist wants to push it, whether or not we agree with it. Right. Speaking of comments, uh, let's segue into comments because who is with us now is none other than Ernest. Don't call me a girl, Lynn. Oh goodness! All Sorry. the way, all the way back from the pack attack, he finally joins us. Ernest, how are you doing? Pretty good. I haven't Pretty seen good. this guy in forever, man. I know. I know. It's like a specter, <laughs> a ghost. The prodigal son the returns. He does return That's from <laughs> Oktoberfest, so. <laughs> there you go. Ran a little bit longer than I thought, so. But here I am. Well, here welcome, welcome for joining us. The first time in a long time. And so I'm segue- segueing to you, uh, Ernest, okay. because you're the dude who did the Destiny review. I am that guy. And um, we're talking I know, about I know how you feel, man. I know how you feel. Right? And you got blasted <laughs> by a lot of comments. There are some people who threw things out. Now, first off, I want to, to say right away for the fans and viewers, we love comments. Comments are great. Comments. Comment all the time, whether it's on the review itself or email us or tweet at us. They are great. But not every comment is equal, which is a sad thing. Some are just trollers. Some are uninformed. Some are actually quite very well informed. I remember Fairy Fencer, my Fairy Fencer F review. Someone pointed out that I was wrong. I made a mistake. Compileheart is not owned by Nice. For some reason, I thought Compileheart was owned by Nice because everything was published by them. And so that was a great comment that put me to task uh, but was respectful. And so we do love very respectful comments. But Ernest, how did it make you feel when you're seeing some of the comments and some of them are saying that you never put in the time in the game or you just never got the game, that it was just too subjective? What What were your thoughts and feelings from that? Um, I guess def- definitely initially it was annoying. I was just like, come on, you know, really, especially considering that I was uh, one of the later if not one of like the last uh metacritic reviewers to put out their review you know and i didn't want to like could i have just written up a review when i was sitting at level 10 yeah sure i you know i I could have i'm sure that's probably what some of these reviews out there have done you know um there's no you know there's no requirement for you to finish a game to review it you know, on Metacritic or anything like that. So, um, yeah, it was just initially annoying, but, um, I mean, it did make me think and look at my review and, and maybe, maybe in like hindsight, maybe I should have thrown in some more positives. And I do want to say overall that I do like destiny as a game. What I see there is an incredibly strong foundation. And I mean, that's reflected in part by like the subtitle that I gave the review, you know, hope for its future, because I think it does have a bright future that it will get better. And that's and very likely the only thing that it can do is get better from here on. And we're already seeing Bungie, you know, who I mean, I've been a longtime Bungie fan and they are very receptive to, you know, fan feedback and comments. And, you know, they're already taking the necessary steps, very responsive to 
the feedback and taking the steps to make Destiny a better and more engaging game. And so I think, you know, by the time we see the first ex- first or second expansion or Destiny 2, that we could have something really great, you know, on our hands to play. You know, there, there's something that you said there that um, really kind of put things into perspective for me. You were one of the okay. last... You were one of the last people to, to review this game, at least as far as Metacritic is concerned. Um, mm-hmm. I think that might have been why so many people are, are uh, reacting. Well, so many, I, I speak like there are mobs at your front door. But um, <laughs> that could be why you're, you're getting this, this sort of reaction, because Destiny has been getting this review for a while now. Um, you're not the first person to say the things that you did about Destiny and put it in a review. I think a lot of people are just kind of tired of hearing that stuff about Destiny because, quite frankly, the community still loves playing Destiny. Um, I mean, the, basically, the review scores it's getting and the community enjoyment are not in sync with each other. It's As you said, it's a fun game. It's a great foundation. But that's what it is. It's a foundation. It's not mm-hmm. really all it can be just yet. And you can't grade it on what it could be. You can only grade it based on what you've got. Um, exactly. So, you, you know, so now you've got, yeah. you've got all this stuff and you're saying this stuff and people are just tired of hearing it because they like destiny. Um, if I think that if you were one of the first people to put this out, you, you probably would have been a little less, um, <laughs> your review would have been decried a little bit less probably. Right. Right. Especially, you know, compared to some of the other bigger outlets that put out their review fairly early, uh, you know, and gave it like a, like a six, which I think is a little extreme. I think that those, that is too low for a game that, that does so many of basics of the basics, right. And really, you know, is going to keep getting better. So now let me let me ask you something else because we were talking okay. about this earlier. Um, All right. On on a you you graded this basically on a gamer scale of one to ten, whereas like right. one to five don't exist, and then six to ten are the actual grade. So on a true scale of one to ten, where one is bad and ten is good, where does Destiny sit? Hmm. What, what do you what do you mean by that? Like, well, I I mean like so many the scales really skewed as far as gaming is concerned because an right. a, an eight or a seven in some cases is considered a bad game, whereas right. So you're speaking to like the the, the score inflation exactly. So which um, I I do try I too I do try to avoid, and that's why I have like. If you look at my reviews, I have done a, a range. I've gone for as low as like five point five, all the way up to I think nine has been the highest I've ever given. Right, you've you've not given a ten yet. I have not given a ten yet, but granted, you know, I don't. I'm not like Dane, and I don't do like twenty some reviews a year. So <laughs> um, maybe I haven't had the opportunity to do a ten. <laughs> do a ten? No. Yeah. Hey, you've never even done a two. I've done a couple twos. <laughs> so you know, right? Put right. that into perspective. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But I, you're you're saying like, I guess I can kind of see what you mean, right? Um, are we taking? Hmm. Maybe I feel like, like I feel like I feel like I'm about to get you in more trouble here. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe we should just keep going. Maybe, maybe, yeah. <laughs> All right. 
Yeah, we'll Let's just keep, we'll just keep going. Let's go. Let people right. wonder. Let's go. <laughs> mystery. Let people wonder what mystery, what cover up is there behind the scenes? Was he gonna say something and then we just we just <laughs> stopped him? Yeah, what <laughs> right. new conspiracy theory is out? Cue Jesse Ventura's voice, everyone. Right, right. Which is a hilarious show, by the way. Completely off topic, but Jesse Ventura's conspiracy theory is hilarious. It is funny. I've seen it. Right. Um, yeah, with Destiny, uh, I mean, there have been people who are saying, uh, you know, Destiny maybe isn't a game that should have been reviewed or at least reviewed early on. And I, I kind of agree with that. You know, I think it's kind of, kind of like a, if it was getting great reviews, I don't think anybody would be saying that. But I do... I do agree a little bit with that sentiment because it is a game that is going to be continually changing and evolving as time goes on. And um, I think what we've just been discussing when you came in is um, what kind of stuff out there in reviews uh, do you wish that reviewers wouldn't do? What, what do reviewers do these days that you think is wrong and that you'd like to see them stop doing? I don't know why I'm asking questions. I am. I'm. I'm sorry, That's Dan. Fine. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Is he even here? Right. Where'd you go, Dane? Dane. Okay, okay. so uh, <laughs> I guess I'm. Okay, listening. he's. He'll be right back. He sent messages. Okay. Um, what annoys me? I guess the score inflation is probably the, score the thing that annoys me. The, and, that, and that goes like both ways, where it's like, you know. You'll see, like, oh, they they give it like really, really unacceptably high scores, or, or you know, they'll get. I've seen, like, I think the lowest score for say, like, I think I saw on Metacritic for Halo Four was like a forty, mm-hmm. a four out of ten. I was like, wow, like, really? I I do not think that's objectively fair at all. That's just like someone who just either wanted like clickbait or just really hates the franchise or the experience or something and didn't look at it as objectively, you know? Yeah. I, I feel re- like when, when you get to like four and below, the game really needs to be broken. Yeah, because I remember talking to you about that last year about when I did the uh, Time and Eternity Toki Toa review and mm-hmm. someone gave it a zero. Gave the game yes. a zero. <laughs> and yep. now, to, to, for full disclosure, I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. This site gave it a zero. I read the review. The review is horrible, in my opinion, uh, from what I can remember. But like you were saying, I mean, that's a game that doesn't work. That's a quote from you. A zero is a game that just does not work. Right, at all. At all. At it's all. broken. Yeah. And I, I agree with you on that point because when I gave, I said you know, earlier, I gave in a couple twos. The couple games I gave twos, well, they barely worked. Like, one was Motorbike. That was an alpha. I don't care what people say. That game was basically an alpha of a game because it just did not work. It was a clone of motor of uh, Urban Trials that was mm. just even more broken than Urban Trials. And I'm like, this, this game is... I can't actually play this game, right? When we were talking earlier, Glenn, about, you know, we should beat games and stuff. Well, this is a game that I could not beat because the game just would not work well for me. I'm stuck for like an hour on this one stage because the mechanics are just so broken. So I got to skip to other parts of the game. So 
Um, I think yeah. If you're if you're going lower than a five, there's a major. There's got to be something super wrong with that game, like other story wise or mechanically wise or something that just means, you know, stay away unless you're just a real diehard. That reminds me um, of this one review that I uh, once saw, and this review just stood out to me so much just because of the way it said, uh, just because of the way it started. Um, I used to be a really big Sonic fan. I loved Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, and back in 2000, late 2006, early 2007, a Sonic the Hedgehog game came out for both PS3 and Xbox 360. Sounds like someone just left our call. Um, uh, I think that was Brian. So Yes, Brian. Brian had to leave. All right. Um, thanks for being on, Brian. I hope you, hope you can listen to the rest of this later. Um, so Sonic the Hedgehog came out. And I got it when I got my first PS3 sometime later. Uh, of course, I, I, that was the first thing I bought. I loved Sonic. And I just hated the game. I mean, it was terrible. The, the camera was bad. Um, Sonic would get stuck on different polygons. Uh, the controls didn't always work the way you wanted to. There were parts of the navigation that would... Anyway, terrible game. Uh, I probably would have given it like a four or a three. Um and then I, later on, I, I saw this review on IGN, and it's my favorite review just because of the way it starts. Like I, it still stands out to me. Uh, it's by Jer- Jeremy Dunham, written for February 7, 2007. And here's, what it, here's how it starts. Um, the most common way to die in the ruined city of the future is undoubtedly death by lava. Or to be more specific, its victims are typically bombarded by attacks from fire creatures or accidentally fall into a pit of liquid hot magma. Try to imagine for a moment how unbelievably agonizing that kind of extermination would be. Though brief, the pain would be excruciating before your body went completely numb as your nerve endings melted away from the extreme heat. Seconds later, it's likely that your final dying thoughts would be those of terror, regret, and eventually, nothing. In other words, it would be a lot like playing Sonic the Hedgehog. (laughs) <laughs> wow i Perfect. read i read that and i i think i actually gave it a personal standing ovation i was like that is like i don't know why but it just kind of hooks you and and yes i i agree that game was just so poorly done uh, which is a shame because i mean you had new characters added that you hadn't seen before um it was early in the PS3's life cycle, so, you know, it was like a new generation thing. It's like Sonic and all these great graphics and whatnot. And, and it turned out to be just a, a, such a poorly done game, not worth anyone's time. Um, and the way it described it like that and kind of the attitude, kind of the snarkiness it, it put into it, it, it just... Um, <laughs> I, st- I just still... Re- as you can see, I still reference this review as a standout to me, uh, just because of the way it begins. <laughs> I don't remember why I brought this up, by the way. I'm, I'm literally just reminiscing now. I, I originally had a purpose, but now I don't. So please continue. What were you saying, Ernest, before? Glenn? I don't. I don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then um, here's a question then for you, Ernest, because like you, you, you mentioned earlier, you're not the type of person that does 20 reviews a year like I do. So... And we've had conversations about this numerous times. You're the type of guy who does not like to do a, re- a book report on a game because that's what you feel reviews are. They're just like book reports. So what kind of games get you to be like, I want to review this? 
Like, what is it about a specific title or franchise or, or anything that says, I'm going to write a book report about this game even though I hate it? Hmm. Uh, I mean, if, I'm, if it's one of the cases where I hate it, I guess it would be to just inform people, like, hey, this is, this is not worth getting. Um, I had, I had a, I had a friend who was like legitimately considering because he's such a big Sword Art Online fan to buy like a Vita to get the Sword Art Online game, and I was like, no, don't. <laughs> it's not a. This is not a system seller type game, you know. Unless you're hoping to play other stuff on the Vita, don't don't shell out like. 240 bucks for the game in the system for this. And then the memory card. Oh, gosh. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> the memory card. <laughs> Proprietary formats. Uh, they're great. <clears throat> Absolutely. But yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that's kind of what it is. And I mean, I do... There is some aspects of doing a review that I enjoy. Uh, most... The, the most important, biggest, the biggest one would probably be when it's done. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's like kind of, it's, it's that feeling of accomplishment. I look over it and I'm like, wow, you know, this is, this is, this is my work. And, you know, I, I did this. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. How about you, Dane? What motivates you? What motivates me? To uh, do so many reviews, because you, I think you do the most reviews on the site. If I, if I uh, recently, remember. probably me in the last two years, I've probably reviewed the most. Uh, mm -hmm. Technically, Stephen, our uh, general manager at PlayStation Universe, Stephen Williamson, he's reviewed the most on the site. He's gotten like over 150 reviews. But keep in mind, he's been doing it since like 2000. 2007, 2008. Um, me, I just, I think it's fun. I think I go back to nostalgia when I was a kid. Uh, I always had all the magazines. I had Nintendo Power. I had Game Players. Those were my subscriptions. And then I would pick up later. My subscription was PSM Magazine, unofficial PSM Magazine. And then mm -hmm. I would just pick up randoms that I would get on the cheap. And I just loved the reviews because... I get to play games. It's like, this is the awesome job. I get to play games for a living. Now, technically, I don't get paid for it, so it's just, it's just the love of being able to use my education in a fun way because, like I've said, I'm a school teacher. To me, that's all I do every day is I review things. So when I say, okay, do this paper, and then I have to grade it. Grading is reviewing in a sense. So I get to put my training into something that I love. And then because I'm also an author and I'm writing novels, I get to see a lot of uh, different ways that people write narratives and get to see the good. I get to see the bad. I get to see the so-so. I can pick up tips and hints and just see how all of these different games work and have to actually critique them because... Like we've mentioned earlier, when we're reviewing it, we have to keep playing the game, even if we hate it. That's our professional right. obligation. But if I don't like the game, I can just turn it off if I just bought it. If it's not a review copy, it's just I shelled out the 10 bucks. Like, for example, Dynasty Warriors 7 Empires. I bought that on special 
on a PSN flash sale. Ten bucks. Played it. Stopped after an hour just because I just I just wasn't feeling it, and I haven't played it since. It's been a couple weeks. I have the luxury of doing that. In a review, I can't, and so it forces me to get picky to see okay what is done right what is done wrong and and examine things in a in a critical way and so that's why i just keep reviewing so much uh and i have to now because i'm the reviews editor so if uh no one picks up on a game i'm like well i gotta do it it's my job i gotta review the crap with the good right so uh glenn what about you what what has you want to review games Three games, done. <laughs> well, I did. I, I was gonna say yeah, that, like, but I, I didn't want to be it like. Straight. <laughs> no, well, this nice. I guess. <laughs> well, let me be honest. No, the the free games are cool. But I, they're not why I want to review games. I mean, they're they're. Don't get me wrong. They're a nice perk. Um, otherwise, I mean, it's not like we're paid to do any of this. Um, but the thing about it is. I I don't know I don't know what it is I, I, unless you haven't noticed I like talking um, I'm I'm sure you've noticed that I like talking it it should be called the Dane and Glenn podcast is what we should do sometime <laughs> it's just you and me sometime just talking yeah we're both yeah. talkers um but the thing about reviews for me is is I like being able to voice my opinion um, I like being able to play a game and be like okay this is what I thought of it um, here's what I, I think you might like about it. Um, I, I, I don't know. I just like to be heard. And, and there's some reward in that when, you know, I feel like I'm doing um, this company or these developers a favor in a way. Um, I feel like I'm being able to do something good for the industry or, or something good for the developer. And, um, and you know, even, even a bad review is good for a developer. Um, for one, it, it's publicity, like it or not. And and for two, it really kind of, if done properly, it can really kind of help them see this is where our game is succeeding and this is where it isn't, especially reviews that get a lot of comments. Um, so I feel like I'm doing something good for um, good for the, the industry, and I, I like that other people get to kind of see what I felt about the game. Um, I like being able to tell my friends, hey, you know, I, I'm getting to review this game, you know, it's going to be awesome. It's, I don't know, there, there are just some parts of it. Um, the free game thing doesn't hurt. Um, really, it's, I don't know if it's something that the developer wants to do, necessarily. I'm pretty sure they'd rather we pay for it, but um, quite frankly, we're, if we're going to do the review from, for them, we have to have a copy, and they do want our reviews. Um, so it's just, I don't know, it's, it's just kind of the nature of, of what we do. Um, but I, I do like I do like reviewing games. I'd like to rev- I'd like to review more games actually, but um, with time and whatnot, I have to be considerate of the stuff that I have to be a part of outside of PSU. Well said, I have to say. Yeah, we we really should just do the the Dane and Glenn Super Amazing Hour podcast. I'm still trying to remember where I was going with the whole Sonic the Hedgehog thing because when I brought it up, I really did have a perp. Like, I don't know why. I think maybe I just feel guilty for derailing everything for a moment. But I just, <laughs> I just, no, no pun intended. But I just feel obligated to tell you I really did have a purpose for bringing it up. I just don't remember it. <laughs> So then here's here's a, a question I'm going to ask you guys because I mentioned game players. I mentioned Nintendo Power, PSM. I know, Ernest, you were, you were um, 
an EGM fan, weren't you? Yeah, I got EGM. Right. So did you, Glenn? Did you uh, did you buy magazines? Subscribe to magazines back in the day. I'm subscribed to Game Informer right now. Okay, so As even a, the current, not, even not, the current ones. Well, it, it comes with my GameStop Power Up Reward Pro thing. Ah, um, uh, okay. it's it's not yeah. something I seek. I seeked out. It just came with GameStop, but I am subscribed to it. Okay, so the question I have, um, it might be a bit controversial. It might not be, but do you think? From the magazine days compared to now in the basically internet only era, do you think reviews, the art of doing a review has progressed or degressed? Like, how do you feel about reviews now that you read compared to when you were reading them in the magazine era? Uh, Ernest, what do you think? I think they've, I think they've progressed because mm-hmm. for as a whole, um, I mean, yes, there's some really bad reviews, but I, I feel with the magazine format, there were, it seems like there's often times where the review can't be as long mm-hmm. as they would like it. Um, but with the internet, you can you can be a little bit longer if you want. And also, the internet opens up the you know the idea and the production of video reviews, which I think are great because then you can spend less time. Maybe you know explaining the nitty gritty of like the mechanics. You can just show it, and then go on to like really spend more time critiquing it and explaining what makes the game great or bad. So that's my answer. I think it's gone. It's gotten better. It's allowed more mm-hmm. more opportunities for the reviewers. Right, Glenn. What are, What are your thoughts about that? I don't think it's gotten better. I think it's actually gotten worse. Um, okay. Which is, uh, I mean, there are, there are some aspects of it that the internet has allowed to to become better. For example, there are now anyone can basically review a game. That's the positive side. the The negative side is that now if anyone can review a game, <laughs> I knew you're going to say that <laughs> because. Quite frankly, I mean, if you look at some of these reviews, and I, I hate to, I, no, I'm not going to even say that. I, I don't hate that I'm going back to IGN on this, um, because I really want them to re- improve their reviews. Um, I, I don't like what they do. Um, but, you know, you look at some of these, and they just really feel half-baked. Um, it doesn't feel like there any efforts really been put into them. You read some of these magazine reviews, and it doesn't matter if, um, it's a really short review. You can tell that it's still pretty thorough. It covers all the bases. You can go in a magazine. Some reviews, you, you have to flip the page because it's uh, good and thorough and long. Not all of them, but some of them. Um, and, of course, you know, you're going to get some bad reviews that just seem to be just full of BS. But um, it, in magazines, generally, the reviews that I remember reading were always pretty thorough, and you could always usually trust them. Um, with the internet, with all of these reviews out there, everybody's doing reviews, and some of them are just total, a lot of them are just total nonsense. You have the whole thing with score discrepancies. You didn't have that so much with um, magazines, um, because you had editors and, and the content of the whole magazine as a whole was considered more, because the content is the lifeblood of the magazine. If the content's not good, people are going to stop paying to get that magazine. So they had to c- consider the content a lot better. Here on the internet, you know, it doesn't cost us anything to stick the, mag- to the review up there, and, you know, people are... St- 
still going to come to the website. You know, especially in the case of a site like IGN, everybody goes to IGN. Um, in fact, I remember a game accidentally printed IGN's watermark on the on the game cover. I think it was um, uh, Okami for Okami. a week. Yeah, exactly. Um, so everyone goes to IGN and they can pretty much just put up what they want. And, you know, some of their reviews as I'm just aren't that great quality. The quality of reviews as more and more people have done them, as the internet has made them freely available, the quality of reviews has gone down um, because just anyone can do it and anyone can put something up. And that's why we have these arguments down here. There's no real standard for this 1 to 10 scale that everyone loves to use. Uh, so mm-hmm. everyone gets hung up on this number because you just duel something quickly and you don't read the review. If you buy the magazine, you read the review. You know, you're more likely to read the review because you see the score and you're not likely to just flip the page. You're, you're reading the magazine. You know, you're already reading the magazine. So the, the quality of the reviews in the magazines, even even some of the magazines today, like I see magazines in Game Informer, uh, excuse me, I see reviews in Game Informer that are better than a lot of reviews I read online. So the quality is just shot. And I think that that's just a problem. I think that reviews... Um, it's great that more people have the opportunity to do them, but there's just so much charcoal in there that it's so hard to find the diamonds in the rough. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's hard to find the quality reviews. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you on that, Glenn. Uh, totally. Um, what was I going to say? The the one thing I, I I like that you brought up the point about you have to have the solid content in the magazines it's the content sells the magazine because people are paying ahead of time for the content right and so if it's not good well they're just going to cut the subscription which means they're going to lose money so these companies these magazines have to give you good stuff and uh you see with internet sites well it's all based on clicks right and so i feel sometimes that internet sites don't really scrutinize their own internal reviews as much because they might just say, well, if, if this sucks, that just means people are going to get, you know, pissed off. And then that means more clicks because people are going to reference it and say, hey, man, this, this, this article is horrible. Go check it out. And that's another click. Mm-hmm. And so and that's more money because people that's how the companies, the Internet sites get their money is from ad revenue. And it kind of degrades things um, because of it. And the other thing um, I want to bring up for that is also, like you said, anyone can do a review. Like right now, even say PSU, I'm not actually in a physical office, right? There's no actual physical PlayStation Universe office. Now, Ernest, remember you and I made that joke about the comic book or what if we had our own office, but there's no actual physical PlayStation Universe office office that we're all in and we're doing this to we're doing this on the internet like we say i'm in korea right now ernest is in minnesota uh glenn you're exactly where this time because i know you go back and forth between two places um i'm at college right now near chattanooga tennessee but i live okay. in or- i live in orlando florida yeah so we're doing all of this over the internet and so the same as all these other sites now ign has an office i'm pretty sure a couple others have offices but even then they uh, freelance their stuff out to people. Yeah, but, freelance even reviews. Yeah. Some bigger sites, even like GameSpot and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, so they freelance them out, and even those freelancers, those are free, right? 
like a lot of people don't get paid for those reviews. But with the magazines, there was a physical office because this was the pre-internet or the start of the internet. So you have to actually work there. You're talking to people. The editor is going to see what you're doing. The editor can see you're playing that game. Right. That's when it, when I when I uh, read Game Players, I just loved the joke about one of the guys in the magazine was he just lived off coffee, right? There's this long-standing joke about how he just you know turned coffee into a drug and he just used it in a needle or something to keep awake to play all of these games because uh, they're always in this office setting and everyone can see each other and kind of peer review things. But now it's like I can say I played this game for 30 hours. But who, but who here in this podcast can actually confirm said person really played the game and really scrutinized every specific piece of it? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and so on. It's really uh, quality control and, you know, some, site, some sites I guess are more equipped to do it, but um, others you really have to watch it a little more. And so it's tough. Yeah, it it definitely is. So uh, I think, Glenn, we're about two hours into this podcast, correct? Yes. Yeah, so this has been a very long, very exciting podcast. I quite enjoyed it a lot, uh, especially getting the take from everyone from um, Brian's take because he was a reviews editor of a different site. So you got the top of the echelon to... Um, your take, Glenn, because you want to do reviews, but you never had time. And then Ernest, who does them somewhat grudgingly because they're book reports. <laughs> it's like a love-hate thing. Yeah, it's yes. a love-hate thing, that type of relationship. I love I was, you, but I hate you at the same time. <laughs> I was right. pretty bummed about Drive Club. Um, Sony sent Drive Club to uh, Kyle. Yes. And so I'm not going to get to review it after all. I'm sad. I know. Just like we said at the start of the show, things happen happen. that the people who are down for it, suddenly it happens. It happens to me. It happened to you. And it's the, you got to roll with the punches. Mm -hmm. So I want to say thank you to all the fans and viewers who stuck with us so far. And what I want to ask you is two things. One, if you enjoyed this particular podcast, we're talking about reviews. Let us know. Do you want to see a second episode? Do you want this to be a monthly, a bi-monthly thing? Do you want to see another review special where we talk about the meat of reviews for the site and on the internet? Okay, Or if you hated it, let us know so we know not to waste our time in producing content that you do not want to listen to. And then secondly, uh, again, fans and viewers, when you read our reviews, please remember this is only one person's informed opinion. Always make sure to check other people, to check other sites. The same as the other sites. Don't just take one person's word as gospel. Even if you think they're your favorite reviewer, always do your due diligence. And always keep us on check. Right? If you think we've glossed something over, if you think we've misrepresented something or we have our facts wrong, write us a polite, informed comment in the sections. Email us something like that, because we want to get better as reviewers, as staff, as a website. Uh, we all want to get better in our craft, and we love feedback. Okay, We love informed, polite, respectful feedback. Please do not troll. Trolling does not help whatsoever. So anytime you get a comment or a concern, write them in the comment section or email us at psu.com. Or if it's something very review-specific, 
For example, if you thought Ernest's Destiny review was full of crap and you think he actually did gloss it over and never played the game, you have a legit problem about it, then email me, dane.smith at psu.com because I am the guy in charge of reviews. It's my job to make sure you get the best quality reviews possible. And if we're not up to snuff, tell us about it so we know how to fix it. We know how to talk about it internally. So again, that is dane.smith at psu.com, D-A-N-E, or the general email, at, uh, you can do editor at psu.com. So Glenn, mm-hmm. where can the fans and viewers reach you at so they can send the hate mail for the next infamous game? Oh, uh, they can't. They can't. <laughs> they can't reach me. They can't reach you. You're now, you're now on the, uh, the blacklist. I've disappeared. I don't exist. He's disappeared. No. Um, you can reach me on Twitter at goglen underscore g o g l e n n underscore, or by email at glen.gordon at psu.com. Excellent, Ernest. Where can you reach? Where can the fans and viewers reach you at? Uh, Twitter at ernstylin e r n s t y l i n or ernest dot lin at psu.com. Okay, and now you know where to send all of the uh, the Destiny hate mail to. So I apologize for that, Ernest. <laughs> uh, and uh, sadly, uh, Brian King, Buckeye Brian, would, had to leave early. So you can reach him uh, on Twitter at GreatFox9605. Okay, so if you had any Nintendo questions, man, he's our Nintendo guy. So don't think it's a PlayStation-only thing. You can contact him there, again, on Twitter, at GreatFox9605. As for me, your host with the most, you can reach me by email, dane.smith at psu.com, D-A-N-E. Or you can reach me on Twitter, which I'm very active in. I like to chat with people about it's at Files, L-A-S-O-M-B-R-A-F-I-L-E-S. Question, comments, you want to shoot the breeze, I'll chat with you about anything. Uh, shout out to the Duffman, right, and Snova. Sadly, they were not awake when we did this podcast, so they weren't able to get any questions in, but I just wanted to send a shout out to our two super fans. If you want to, uh, if you send us a tweet or an email, we will read it out on a future podcast, whether it is a special RDGH or Unchained. So please do not be shy. The more questions and comments you give us, the more we can tailor the content to your needs and your entertainment. All right. Any, uh, any last comments, guys, before we wrap up? Um, yeah, um, these guys are totally not viewers, they're definitely not viewing anything at all, so, <laughs> that's all, just just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, so again, fans and viewers, you can just ignore Glenn with his comment, you're always viewers, right, this is a viewer-listener showdown, is it Glenn, is that what we're doing, we're having no, a showdown there's now? there's no showdown, they're not viewing anything. They can't Thank see God. <laughs> they can't see any of us. They're not viewers. There's no there's no showdown needed. Well, either way, right? Next time we'll make a video. We'll make a video podcast, so then they really will be truly viewers. Okay. And then and everything will be good. Alright, so fun aside. <laughs> 
thank you very much, fans and viewers, for joining us on this special episode of PlayStation Unchained on uh, PlayStation Universe PSU.com for the commissioner, Glenn Gordon, for Buckeye, Brian King, and for Ernest, don't call me a girl, Lynn. I'm your host with the most, Dane Smith, saying good night, good gaming, and please, please, please have fun with all the games you play. And please, please, please buy his book on Kindle for 99 cents.